1: Hello and welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair and I'm excited to bring to you this episode for a couple of reasons. One is that it is a it's a topic that I've more recently started talking about more on Vitality Radio, and as I've been doing that, I've been looking for some expert voices that I feel can really lend some uh, uh, credibility uh, to what we're talking about and some expertise uh, in this field, and that is the field of women's health, Uh, specifically of course talking about hormones, uh, the female cycle, uh, menopause, perimenopause, all of those things. And it's kind of an interesting thing. I tend to seek out uh, my guests and uh, try to find the best people that I can find that are willing to spend an hour with me. Uh, This next guest kind of fell into my lap. Uh, It was an interesting uh, event last Friday. I was talking to my good buddy, Max Willis, and we were talking about a completely unrelated subject. And he said, well, I'm going to have this amazing doctor with me next week maybe she could do your show. And I said, well, tell me about her. And he did. And I said, yeah, I'd love to talk to her. So I'd like to welcome to Vitality Radio, Dr. Pamela Peak. Dr. Peak, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you.
2: Well, I'm just so looking forward to having this conversation with you, Jared. Thanks so much.
1: Absolutely. This is going to be a fun one and I think a really important one. Uh, So for people that are unfamiliar with your work, uh, let's uh, first get a little bit of background on you, where you come from and uh, what you've been doing to uh, get to this point in your career.
2: All right. So um, I'm a physician. I'm an internist, also with critical care uh, training. And I'm a fellow of the American College of Physicians, as well as a fellow of the American College of Sports Medicine where I sit on the board of trustees. So um, I'm also a Pew Foundation scholar in nutrition and metabolism. So this all makes me a unicorn, maybe a freak, who knows, um, in the sense that physicians are not taught physical activity, they're not taught nutrition. And so I actually had to go outside once I finished my traditional training to add on all of this. I also have a double master's in public health and public policy from the University of California at Berkeley, which I did before I went to med school. So I tried to fill in a lot of blanks that I saw as gaps in a traditional medical care training so that I could literally um, uh, call together a more integrative approach to medicine And so when when I did this, which was really quite fascinating, I was invited to the National Institutes of Health uh, to become a senior research fellow, uh, looking specifically in one institute, and that's the National Institute of Child Health Human Development, um, at at stress hormone and what stress hormone does um, to the human body. And this is when we first began to realize what the metabolic syndrome was, and we helped put some of those pieces together. While I was at the National Institutes of Health, I got a knock on the door from a brand new entity on campus. It was called the Office of Alternative Medicine. And they'd heard about my work and stress, and they said, come on down. Can you also help us begin to go through research on this, on all of these elements of integrative um, health, and that included nutrition in a big way. Um, and so I said, of course, raise my hand to that one real quickly. And uh, because of that, uh, I was thrown into an incredibly new emerging field, which now today is integrative medicine uh, and what an honor it was to be there while I was there, the office of women's health was established. And this is where the famous study, um, that was done back in 2002, um, emerged and that was on hormonal replacement therapy. And, uh, there were many flaws with the original study, uh, and unfortunately, it put the fear of the Lord in um, every single woman when they heard that there may be an increased risk uh, in cardiovascular uh, disease as well as cancer. And so women just fell off, you know, hormonal replacement therapy and were left out there in the desert trying to figure out a way to navigate through um, uh, the phases of perimenopause, menopause, and beyond. So... Um, there's, there's something to be said, Jared, about being in the right place at the right time, because I had quite an adventure. And subsequent to that, of course, um, I've continued um, my work in this field at multiple levels um, uh, as a uh, assistant professor of medicine at the University of Maryland, and also one of the thought leaders in the Institute of Coaching at Harvard University. Um, and as well, working with industry Uh, Everything from medical device um, to nutrition um, to look at ways of being able to navigate not just one phase, um, one stage of a woman's, you know, uh, entire hormonal journey, but all of them from the moment she has menstruation until she's uh, right around the age of 40 when all of a sudden she has um, wonky periods as she begins to wean off the master hormones, uh, and then finally hitting menopause classically in the USA around the age of 52. And then that wild time post-menopause, which can, you know, I mean, if a woman's gonna be living in this, in the, in the USA to about the age of 88, and she stopped having her menstrual cycle at the age of 52. That's a whole lot of years for post-menopause. What's going on with you during that time? Right. You know? So it's a long journey, Jared. And I'd like to see it as a holistic journey, looking at all of these different um, stages as a piece of a journey, not all cut up into you know, just crisis management when something comes up. Does that make sense?
1: It makes plenty of sense. And frankly, you know, coming from my chair, you know, as a guy who's 51 years old, who grew up in a health food store, started selling vitamins when I was a little boy and has always had a a healthy, uh, you know, belief in the holistic approach to health uh, and has I've seen this gap like this. Grand Canyon between alternative health and natural health, uh, you know, uh, practices and pharmaceutical medicine, allopathic medicine and things like that. And for years, many of us have been saying, hey, can we not just take the best of both worlds and put these things together and really... Get everything that we need from the various sources, as opposed to it. It feels like it's a battle between pharma and uh, and people, you know, selling supplements or talking about natural health. So when I first heard about the the Office of Natural or of Alternative Medicine, I thought, what? The NIH is doing that? I thought that that kind of blew my mind, frankly. And so I'm thrilled to talk to someone like you because you have this truly unique background in this, and I think there's real value that someone who is, you know, classically trained in allopathic medicine uh, can bring to the field of, uh, you know, natural medicine, alternative medicine, whatever you want to call it, and really take a more holistic approach. So I'm really excited for our conversation.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, I, I hear you loud and clear. Uh, and I the reason why I say that is that uh, when I was asked to come on over, Um, to the Office of Alternative Medicine and review grants. Um, These were entities, universities and groups all through the United States who wanted some NIH money to be able to do some very compelling and innovative research. Um, It was thrilling to be able to see that. That's why at the University of Maryland, um, Brian Berman and all of his uh, wonderful team there, I joined up um, because they had a stellar team doing high level research, but guess what they were doing? Acupuncture, beautiful. And that became a big, big foundational moment. And then Johns Hopkins jumped in there. And next thing you knew, once you had all these credible institutions saying, well, wait a minute now, (laughs) you know, we we actually have something here. We have statistical significance. We're publishing this in in high tier journals. So listen up folks. Um, And then the words started getting out. And I, you know, the National Library of Medicine, when I was there, did not have the terms that we classically use, didn't even have much of anything on acupuncture and the use of Tai Chi and multiple sclerosis and extraordinarily cool things like this. And so that's why um, it was wonderful to be able to sit there and say, okay, guys, let's bring it together. I felt like, you know, the Secretary of State. All right, get these two groups together and let's all talk <laughs> for crying out loud. Right. And yeah, um, and it really worked. Andy Weil came on board. Um, Larry Dossey from Prayer Therapy. We all started doing high tier, you know, research, and we were helping fund this and get get the voices heard out there. So when it came to women's health. Well, Bernadine Healy, there was another thing that happened while I was there. She became the first woman to ever head up the National Institutes of Health and she had a motto. She sat in the seat and she looked, you know, directly into the, you know, the screen and said, "Okay, listen up. If anything out there, any disease entity involves a woman, heart disease, lung disease, whatever, if you don't include women, in your trials you get nothing from me zero Hmm. all right did you hear that i can repeat it if you like. (laughs) Uh and and you you had to hear it all over campus they were going did you hear what she said and i said heck to the yeah on that one um because it was time i mean my god we were using we were extrapolating from men's um research to women for years on drugs only to yeah. find out that whoops that antihypertensive that worked so swimmingly well for for men was killing women like well wait a minute now well why didn't you do something radical like i don't know include women and then you'd be able to figure these things out you know where we really saw that was in the antidepressants and there you found that um Although Prozac worked well in women, it was a disaster in men. And so here's a case where it went the other way. Um, and uh, the same thing happened with Zoloft, by the way. And so, yeah. you know, for crying out loud, let's just be honest and transparent and, and just have equal time for the ability to look at a woman's physiology, a man's physiology, Look at their different hormonal journeys, um, respect that, honor that, and then back it up with top tier science so that you and I, Jared, can be sitting here having a nice conversation you know, about, in this case, women's health, which has just been an absolute disaster in, in a knowledge base. I mean, wouldn't you agree that women have been walking around in the dark for a long time?
1: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you know, one of the big questions I wanted to start off this conversation with is exactly that. First off, and I think maybe you've already given us at least part of the answer, but why do you think that women are so undereducated or even ignorant on matters of their own female cycle? What's why is that information not out there taught and understood? Is it is it too taboo because you know it's a period i mean what is it that that makes it that we don't talk about this and get that information out there
2: e all of the above all okay. right so <laughs> so really the first thing is of course it's taboo we call it the m word you know menstrual menopause. right okay now you open up the wall street journal for crying out loud and it's being spoken openly in the the workplace and women are demanding you know, to be able to have some kind of empathy for crying out loud when they're having some issues here and maybe, you know, of course, have some resources available so that they can continue to be productive while all this is going on. What have women done in the past? Nobody wanted to talk about it because, okay, Jared, now come on now. It's because men ruled the world. (laughs) And so the last person on the planet who's going to be bringing this up is some guy who's your boss. You know, I mean, I'm sorry. There was just like no welcoming anything there. And I'm not like, you know, throwing guys under the bus. I'm simply saying it's the way it was. It was just the way it was. You didn't talk about it. And quite frankly, women didn't talk about it. You know, they, they basically suffered in silence. Um, and so it's really honestly, if I look at it historically, it's only been in the last, gosh, half dozen years that you start hearing it in the workplace, that you start seeing it as a conversation item, that, you know, sex in the city helped a lot. I'm not kidding. (laughs) You know, uh, it's so interesting how multimedia kind of like ran with it. And now, of course, this next iteration um, of sex in the city has, has gone to the menopause place. And sometimes his silly stereotypes and this and that, but at least the M words out there. The other layer on this one, Jared, is that providers needed to be smart about this. Do you know the providers were not given much of any information about, you know, uh, perimenopause, menopause and beyond. But when it came to menstruation, it's the same thing. You know, it was just cookie cutter. Everything was simple and cookie cutter. Here, here's a birth control pill. Knock yourself out. You know, nothing was really customized. You didn't get that nice half hour talking to your provider as that individual was trying to customize something for you. It was you're in, you're out. Where's my, you know, prescription, all right? And we don't want to do that anymore because this is something that needs to be honored and respected as a very individual experience of course you know there are other you know there, there is a foundational similarity among all women i mean we are going to go through all these phases but who's really listening to the woman's experience and are these providers prepared with the appropriate information are they getting it through their continuing medical education training are they getting certifications that say, I now understand what the heck is going on and I can gift that woman with more information and empower her with that. Otherwise it's like, you know, how to go with Gwyneth Paltrow. That's all I have. It's like you just hit Google and, and you learn yeah. about, you know, women going through these phases. Good for Gwyneth for hitting 50 And finally, you know, getting out there and saying, my God, this is a lot. I'm sweating and I got some funky sleep and women are like, whoa, she's talking about it. And this is only in the last couple of years. Yeah. So, you know, it's been a dark abyss out there for a long time.
1: Well, I often joke with my clients at Vitality. uh, It's I don't think it's ever super comfortable, depends on the woman, I guess, but uh, for a woman to talk to a man about this kind of stuff. And, you know, sometimes they'll talk to their girlfriends about it, you know, their daughters, whatever, but uh, you know, I've been talking about I I always say poop and periods since I was 14 years old with people and nobody want to talk about poop and nobody wants to talk about periods and nobody wants to talk about hot flashes and all these different things. But there has been a shift, no doubt I've noticed over the last, you know, I I don't know, maybe the last 10 years anyway, I've seen a kind of a steady comfort level. It was really interesting. I had someone in the store the other day, a mom and a daughter, the daughter was 14 years old and she was having some issues with her period and i asked her a question and i'm a 50 year old guy talking to a 14 year old girl about her period and she had no qualms at all she just said yeah this is what it's like and she said you know and she explained the the heaviness and she explained how long it lasts and all this stuff with no embarrassment no red cheeks none of this kind of stuff and i thought This is great. Like this is the way this stuff should be talked about because this is just natural health and it's a normal thing and it shouldn't be taboo at all. So that's I'm so happy to see that on your end of the spectrum that you're seeing the same kind of thing, that there's a a much, much more open conversation about this, because my experience for all the years that I've done this has very much been that it does feel like a topic that you don't talk about this in public right? This is something you talk about behind closed doors with maybe your doctor, you know, maybe your husband or something like that. But beyond that, we're not talking about that. But this needs to be talked But Then we got
2: men talking about Viagra and all their little issues. And women are like, well, well, wait a minute. (laughs) What about me? Um, And back and forth, you know, there was obviously this this wasn't equal, um, you know, in a big way. So I have to tell you something interesting when you say that, you know, Do we talk about hot flashes or whatever and and what man wants to talk about it? Well, guess what? I got a newsflash for you, and that is men have hot flashes. And that means that men who have prostate cancer, which is the number one cancer in men outside Mm -hmm. of skin cancer, it's the number one out of eight men in the United States will have prostate cancer in their lifetime. Now, the drugs you're put on drive your testosterone down and you are thrown into god-awful hot flashes and uh, sleep impairment, your quality of life absolutely plummets. And so, you know, so it's a shared thing there. All of a sudden when that happened, you know, you have people like Mike Milken you know, who obviously had prostate cancer and has the big foundation, all the rest of it, you know, suddenly standing up and saying, "Whoa, pay attention now!" And so, men have that experience. Women have the experience. We—it's a shared experience in so many ways, and it's so interesting in that regard.
1: Yeah, and I'm glad that it's coming out into much more of a, a you know comfortable topic to to hear about, to talk about, and that kind of thing. And, of course, that's why we're here today is to talk more about it. So with the lack of education and the kind of in-the-closet nature of some of these conversations uh, that uh, we've had for for so many years, what do you think women might be the the most uneducated about when it comes to their cycle. What what do they need to know that most women maybe don't know from your experience?
2: Now do you mean cycle or do you mean the, the which journey? Um when the, they're menstruating, when they're going through perimenopause, when they're what?
1: During menstruation, we'll start there.
2: Okay. Most women have no clue as <laughs> to what's going on. They just know that it's kind of twenty-eight days. Right. Kind of, you know. Mm-hmm. Somehow that's stuck. It's sort of like you know, drug addiction rehab, 28 days, you know, 30 days. It just sticks, but that's there's just huge gaps in knowledge. So the first five days of a cycle are the menses phase. That's when you classically, you know, will menstruate, when you bleed, okay? Day six to 14 is the follicular phase. What goes on there? That's when the egg matures, So the egg is maturing in the ovarian follicle and the uterine lining is preparing to receive a fertilized egg. And that's called an embryo. Mm -hmm. Okay. So most women kind of get days one through five fairly well. And the rest of it is sort of like, well, I don't know, something's happening in between.
1: Yeah. I think that's exactly right.
2: Right. And then day 14 is ovulation and that's the ovary releasing the egg, Alright, So it releases the egg, which can be fertilized. You know? so she's very fertile at this point. You know, um, by a man's sperm, if if that happens to be present. And then, if that doesn't happen, then the uterine lining is shed. You know, because nothing happened, um, and that's where you start the bleeding cycle all over again. Does that make mm-hmm. sense?
1: Yeah. Okay. And 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 I think that there are a lot of women still that don't know that much right, about that right. cycle. Like They just learn some things from what you're saying. and Yet that's a really important aspect of women's health, a vitally important aspect. And so we, we definitely need to talk about it. What would you say, uh, for women who are experiencing significant discomfort uh, during their period, uh, during that menses cycle or that menses portion of the cycle, um, is that normal, in your opinion? Does it need to be a really uncomfortable thing? You know, it's interesting.
2: A woman's experience when she has her menstrual cycle, you know, it's really varied. So you have this bell-shaped curve that's almost flat. It's just exquisitely varied. Some women have a two-day cycle and it's like nothing. Other women are at it for, you know, six days of misery, right? Um, especially premenstrual misery. Um, And this involves both her mind and her body, because this is exquisitely stressful. You know, you can't get your homework done if you're, you know, a teenager and all the rest of it. And your body is is changing over time. So the way you felt as an adolescent having um, some PMS, premenstrual syndrome, may be quite different than when you're 32. And Mm -hmm. so this is a a shifting dynamic thing. And this actually is the same thing that happens as you're, you know, beginning your um, perimenopause into menopause, which is a long number of years as well. So it's varied, and I, I stress that because every single woman has a unique experience. So you listen to a woman and you say, hmm, maybe I can give her something like a prostaglandin inhibitor which will kind of loosen up her uterus and allow her to be able to feel more comfort during the time when she's feeling pain. You know, that's a very easy thing. What you don't do is throw a bunch of, you know, pain meds at her. Um, You have to sit down and you say, hmm, what else is going on? We We have a rule when it comes to women's hormonal journey. If you're under a whole lot of stress, whatever's happening in your journey times 10 to the 10th, it's going to be Mm -hmm. much worse. So it's, it's like, it's what you bring to the table. Are you exercising? Okay. Are you exercising? Are you, um, getting enough sleep? Mm -hmm. How's that nutrition coming along? Are you nutritionally deficient? Because if you think for two seconds, That having a low vitamin D, vitamin C, vitamin E, and you could look at the CDC statistics and see the abysmal levels seen in teenagers and young adults. Well, if you don't think that has anything to do with how you're feeling, please reconsider because we are all interconnected. We're just interconnected. All of our Physiologic, biological systems depend upon one another. What happens to one happens to the rest. And so this is why if I'm the practitioner talking to the young woman who is having, you know, some pain here, I'm going to ask about her lifestyle. I'm going to ask about her life. Oh, you're holding down three jobs and you've got a kid at home. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Enough said. Uh, what else can we do to be able to help impact this, um, to your betterment and benefit? So there's that, um, there are other ways clearly have we ruled out endometriosis endometriosis will give you God awful pain and you know, you have to be able to go through an appropriate workup and make certain someone is being quite thorough with you. Um, What else is going on? It's an inflammatory process that's hurting you. That's what you're actually feeling. You know, is it that it's all done in one day? I was one of those girls. You know, it was like I had one real special day. Don't get near me. You know, (laughs) and after that, I was cool. So what I would do, and also I would sort of, lean into it. I would say I eat really strange things during that time. I was a licorice girl. So, I kept around what I called my PMS jar. It was filled with all kinds of really high-level licorice. I would eat the damn licorice. Why was I eating? Who knew? But it felt good. And then the day after, I didn't want it anymore. it, it I laugh about it because what I was doing was listening to myself and smiling and laughing along and saying, Okay, you know, I'm leaning into it. I also made certain to take really good care of myself during that time. You know what I found? I am an athlete, I'm a triathlete. And, but, you know, I've always been a tomboy and, you know, always into my fitness and athletic. I found that just taking a damn walk in the park with a buddy, you know, really helped. Yeah. Really, really helped. And, uh, and I, I can't tell you how easy it is to just get up and do that maybe when you're having the cramps it's the last thing on your mind but it should be maybe front of mind give it a whirl you never know
1: yeah so yeah i think listening to yourself is almost a lost art at this point but uh, (laughs) people do have an intuitive nature about what they need and what can be done and i I think what what i hope maybe more than anything else comes out of this podcast uh for women is that there are options there are a lot of things you can do to address the concerns that you have to address the discomfort that you may be experiencing that's whether you're in the uh, menstruating years or the perimenopausal years or the menopausal years or the postmenopausal years, all of those years, there are things that can be done from a lifestyle standpoint. I think the things that you mentioned are, are critical, obviously, sleep and exercise and diet, nutrition, all of those things really, really matter. So in terms of um, questions that I get at Vitality Nutrition, one of the things that I have found for sure I seem to get the very most questions about is the what you, I guess, could call the in-between in between stage, that perimenopausal stage, where women have at least sort of understood how to deal with whatever's going on uh, up until that point. And then when things start to get a little wonky and the period isn't what it used to be, and it, it's less, it's more erratic and it doesn't look like it's ever looked, it didn't, doesn't feel like it's ever felt. And then the dreaded... Weight gain that often uh, occurs with that, and and uh, the hot flash symptoms, and and shifts in mood, and all these different things. I feel like I get more people asking about that than anything else, from you know birth to death when it comes to women's health. Um, with perimenopause, what, what what I guess suggestions do you have? Uh, what do you think women need to understand about that?
2: such a great question jared and um i'm not shocked at all that women come you know flooding through your front door saying hell um what 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 the heck is going on we didn't understand this for a long time we meaning providers researchers etc i was very fortunate that in my laboratory at the national institutes of health right down the hall they were looking at this closely. So I'd run on down there and have a little look, and this is what we found. A woman classically begins to experience the opposite of what happened when she began um, her menstrual cycle, right around the age of 40. So what happens before you start having a menstrual cycle, you're whatever, age 12 or you know, however it mm-hmm. works out, is that there's this silent buildup, okay? And then one day, boom, you have a menstrual cycle. There Mm -hmm. it is. And you're like, whoa, all right, um, got my attention, right? When you have to wean off that, women, estrogen is one of the most powerful hormones known to mankind. It influences almost every tissue in your body. So this is why you need to have about a 10 to 12 year weaning period from the age of 40 to 52. It's got to be gradual because your body is like, wait a minute. I kind of enjoyed having estrogen around. What are you doing to me? And the same goes with progesterone as well. Testosterone kind of toodles along, you know, as it always has. But progesterone and estrogen are really beginning to move. Mm -hmm. Now, is it a linear thing? Actually, what my colleagues at the NIH found was something fascinating. What they found was that the way the curve looks is yes, if you took the sum of the curve, it's definitely coming down, no question. But it's all over the place during that time. Some days you're up, some days you're down. So if you were to just take one little piece of that video it wouldn't explain everything so what you have to do is I tell women hold on strap in (laughs) it's gonna be a wild ride here now that being said be kind to your body okay the best results come from women who take really good care of their mind and body during this time I'm a meditator I absolutely love prayer. I love um, transcendental meditation. I do a little bit of both. Um, I meditate um, when I'm exercising as well. It's just, you know, being quiet. Very important to get to that calm place. All right, there's your brain, right? The next thing you want to do is that sleep, and then you get the nutrition, and then you get the physical activity. And then guess what else you need? Connectivity to other people. Get your tribe in line. Who's gonna be there to support you? Cause you need that during this time, you know, that empathetic ear when you're like, oh, you know, I'm having that day and, mm-hmm. and whatever. Now, here's something I'm gonna gift everyone with, including you, Jared, because there's brand new hot off the press information about what actually occurs during perimenopause when it comes to um, mood. Many women, uh, albeit the grand majority of women begin to experience anxiety. Anxiety is the harbinger of menopause. So, what's happening is the first thing you feel is anxiety, and the anxiety can be very disturbing. It's like you're just sitting there in the middle of a boardroom, and all of a sudden, whoa, you just get this flood of anxiety, almost panic. Many women have panic attacks during this time. They think they're losing their mind. Women, you are not. What's happening is, is really interesting. Estrogen's best friend, you know, is is uh, adrenaline. Norepinephrine and, and estrogen and glucocorticoids, stress hormone, they all hang out together. And so when estrogen begins to have wonkiness to it, it disrupts stress hormone, which is cortisol, as well as norepinephrine. And it gives rise to a feeling of anxiety and panic. And this can happen at any time. So that's fascinating. So no, you're not losing your mind. What you need to do is mitigate that. And you do that again, I sound like a broken record, um, with having a, an ecosystem of a healthier lifestyle, help support you through that and then talk to yourself saying uh oh i'm having one of those moments and then smile and say yep perimenopause i'm weaning off my sex hormones and this is the way it feels and it's normal and natural and it's quite beautiful you're a you're a woman and this is part of the whole thing Mm -hmm. and when i tell women this they're like oh god thank you thought i was going out of my mind and there you have it. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, definitely. Okay, so then we've got, I, I think, a, maybe a clearer picture than we than than a lot of people listening may have had up to this point about kind of what's you know actually going on here. Because I do think that just an understanding of what's happening is really valuable. Because, like you said, okay, well, it, it it's natural, it's normal. Um, I'm not crazy. Uh, This isn't just happening to me. It's happening to all my sisters as well, you know, and so on. So we have all of that. But aside from the lifestyle things, we've talked about sleep. uh, We've talked about mitigating stress, which, of course, there are a lot of things. And it sounds like your work at the NIH uh, proved a lot of wonderful things about you know, meditation and uh, probably breath work, I imagine, especially oh, yeah. if, uh, Andy Weil was involved and uh, acupuncture and a lot of these different things that we can use to, to help with those processes. And and, and this topic, I, I think, I don't think it can be uh, overstressed how important stress is in the hormonal picture, because as you said, these besties of estrogen and cortisol and, and epinephrine, they hang out together, and if they're if the stress hormones are firing, then so many other things get really out of whack, including even our digestive systems and everything else. And of course, we have we know also that a healthy liver and a healthy gut microbiome play a major role in all of this. Uh, so, what what do you believe? Because we we can't address every individual woman and their individual need here, you already said that the bell curve is almost flat in terms of the uh, way that women experience this stuff. Um, But there are some consistent things. We've talked about a lot of the lifestyle things. What have you learned about nutrition uh, and supplementation and those types of things in your your work uh, to try and help women uh, get on top of the symptomology that they're experiencing?
2: One of the things I found is that, um, and, and this has really been uh, you know amazing um, as, a, as a physician and a researcher who's been working with women for decades now. Women shame and blame themselves if they can't get those five perfect fruits and vegetables a day uh-huh. and if they can't cook absolutely everything by hand, and all the rest of it, they feel terrible because they're like, I'm supposed to do this. I'm, you know, did I get all my greens in? Am I, you know, while I'm also caregiving everyone and his brother and sister, and I'm also working and I've got an incredible career and all the rest of it. So I think one of the things that I'm an absolute firm believer in is filling in those gaps nutritionally. One of the first thing I love is it's just something i really recommend is know your vitamin levels and so i love to be able to have a person just go get their vitamin levels look at them and they are oftentimes shocked at at the finding out their vitamin d is is 19 and they're what well you know and then i thought i got a lot of sun well it's a lot more complex than that we found out mm-hmm. and so you know, why is vitamin D important? Well, this is why people like yourself, Jared, and, and other knowledgeable people can help explain that. Um, because I'll tell you one thing, sadly, the grand majority of providers can't because they didn't have nutrition in medical school or a nursing school or wherever else they came from. Right. God bless them. And, but the integrative and functional you know, practitioners Are much more adept at explaining this and going over the entire thing i mean you know you need to know before you leap into this know your numbers isn't that what we do for cholesterol or did i miss that part right we got to know our numbers you know you don't know what to treat or to deal with if you don't first know thyself so do a little you 101 on this one right then the next thing is you know, find a knowledgeable person who can sit down with you and, and look at those numbers and listen to your story and know that you're a woman coursing through perimenopause. The so first thing is absolutely a multibite. Hands okay. down, you know, I, you've got to cover yourself. Ladies, quit blaming yourself when you have days when you've had one meal because you're so tired, your teeth hurt. Um, look, it happens. It's our crazy world today. So you've got to fill in those blanks. Um, vitamin D, I'm a nutcase about because mm-hmm. it is an anti-neoplastin, meaning that it is so powerful um, in cancer prevention and it is absolutely so powerful in so many other biochemical reactions. Without vitamin D, how are you gonna absorb calcium? You know, So how about that bone health of yours? Um, Yes, that's right. You're losing bone from the age of 30 on your bone mineral content decreases. The more physically active you are, especially with a lot of pounding stuff like, you know, walking heavily, hiking, running, jogging, you know, jumping, doing things like that. Then you're going to mitigate a lot of that, but you still will lose bone mineral content. So if you don't get your, your vitamin D, right? that's just one example of you know how important this is and you have your multiviton board you also have herbals that are extremely important you know and you have minerals i'm an absolute oh my gosh i cannot tell you how many women who say i can't sleep and anxiety and all the rest of it yeah how about magnesium yep right how about magnesium and then i tell them to take their magnesium and they wake up the next morning saying, "For the first time, I did not wake up. That that um, that uh, restlessness at nighttime mm-hmm. that makes you wake up at two in the morning and back and forth, which is very classic in perimenopause. I mean, magnesium—how simple is that, right? And then, of course, the omegas, very important. You're looking for anti-inflammation, in, uh, um, and so looking at all of your." you know, vitamins all the way through, again, having that multivite on board is incredibly important. So, you know, today, it's important for women to sit down and at the very least, do their multivite, magnesium, right? And their um, uh, vitamin D, right? It's just at the very least and then get that omega in because women swear they're going to have their little fish but then what if you're a vegetarian what does that mean then if you declare you're a vegan do you really understand what you're doing here how about Mm -hmm. that b12 level um do you understand that the b vitamins are really wonderful for pms they'll really help you so You know, you got to sit down and, and have a conversation about what you uniquely need as your kind of RX, you know, your own little um, over the counter um, compilation, a, a strategy and a plan with the thought that this is a dynamic process. So, what's happening when you're 40 to 45? changes up from forty five to fifty, changes right. up from fifty to fifty two when you now cease having menstrual cycles, changes up again postmenopausally, women will still have so many of those symptoms at least six years out, sometimes longer. So does that make sense in as you put yep. it all together?
1: Yeah, and it 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 does and it It goes back to something that I actually call my vital five I talk about all the time. You want to talk about sound like a broken record. People have heard me talk about magnesium. You know ad nauseum on this show and how critical it is to the stress response and all these other Absolutely. enzymatic functions in the body. So I, I'm uh, glad to hear that we're definitely in agreement there. So you're working now with uh, Solaray as a consultant on a something that I think sounds like a really cutting edge and unique uh, line of supplements called Solaray Her Life Stages uh, that has just hit the market and is designed as as i understand it and certainly you know more more about it than i do uh, to really address specifically without hormones and also without soy um, how to balance most or all of the symptoms that women associate with uh, all these different cycles of life that we've talked about tell us about that you know
2: one of the reasons why um, i partnered with Um, and their marvelous team is because um, they agreed with me that instead of chopping up a woman's life and dealing with everything on a crisis-oriented basis, that there should be an integrative approach, that we look at the the life stages, her life stages. So she's going to have the menstrual stage, and PMS and everything that goes along with it. She'll have that perimenopausal stage for sure um, as she's preparing to enter the menopause. She'll have the menopausal stage and then the postmenopausal stage. And there's even um, a product specific to libido because come on guys, you've been having your little pig pill for a long time. So we need a little something here as well. All of it you know, really is to show a woman that as you age, as you course through the menstrual years into the perimenopause and beyond, that we got your back, that you simply just move to the next stage and then you move to the next stage. And then what all of this does is it helps support the ecosystem you have helped create for yourself with your lifestyle, with your provider, however you're doing that. If you just happen to be on menopausal hormonal therapy, which is by the way, what it's called now, Um, they're moving from hormonal replacement therapy Mm -hmm. to menopausal um, hormonal therapy, okay? And this is lower dose, better tolerated, and um, many women are finding it to be quite helpful. But at the same time, does it do absolutely everything? Nothing does everything. You can't right. get you know, an answer from everything. So what this, this brand does, the Her Life Stages brand does, is it backs you up. It augments. It enhances the benefit that you're getting from all the things you're doing to help yourself during that specific stage.
1: Okay. And so there are supplements that are um, individualized for those different stages of life? Absolutely. These are
2: herbals. And, and, you know, what's really important here is that women need to know instead of running around, you know, and and trying to piece things together piecemeal, like, well, maybe this will work. Maybe this will work. We did the work for you. And we put it together in a compilation so that you didn't have to be, you know, buying a mountain of, of supplements. We've Mm -hmm. got what you need. And then obviously augmented with your multiple vitamin, you know, and solar of course has all of that as well. Um, and, you know, come on down to a place that makes women feel welcome, um, throughout all of their stages so that we can, Be there to support you and and take a lot of the stress off trying to figure out what works best for you. And we, we just ask women to give it a trial because we think that this is really going to help enhance the quality of your life during that stage of your life
1: fantastic. Well I'm really excited for this. Uh, you know my buddy Max who introduced us uh, and I know you you know him as well. Um, I've known this guy for I don't even know how many years. Uh, we're both old men now but uh, and we were younger when we first met but one of the things that I've always admired about Max who is one of the one of the minds behind these formulations as well, is the integrity with which he formulates. He he always digs into the research uh, very deeply. He wants to find the best uh, the best combinations of things that also won't yield a uh, you know a negative side effect or any of this kind of thing that is supportive of the body. And so I I really do look forward to uh, seeing what happens with these formulas and how women respond uh, to them for sure. We're running out of time here. We have just a couple of minutes left. So I want to uh, give you the last word. But I will say this. I want to reiterate this before we, we end the show today. I think that Dr. Peak and I are very much uh, on the same page about this one thing in particular. And that is that there is not a thing that does all the things. And this is your Body, we're talking about it is your hormonal uh, cycles, the stages that a woman goes through um, throughout her life, and it you can't fix it with something in a pill bottle. You can't fix it with a pill from the doctor, you can't fix it with exercise, you can't fix it with diet, but you can fix it, you can balance it, you can get to the point where you have a significantly more comfortable time if you look at the various areas of your life, the ecosystem as you called it Dr. Peak, and look at your stress, look at your sleep, look at your diet, look at your nutrition levels, consult with people who uh, who you who, who you trust that can help you understand some of these things? Continue to get educated on shows like uh, Vitality Radio. Uh, Dr. Peak actually has a a very popular podcast called Her, I believe, is what it's called. Uh, that we'll link to in the show description. And recognize that this is not a one size fits all thing, but that if you do, if you hit all the various areas, you put the focus in the places that they need to be. None of this is insurmountable. You can find balance if you're willing to take that bird's eye view, look at what's going on in your life and address some of the things that are out of balance. You can find balance with your hormones as well. Dr. Peek, what else would you like to say before I let you go?
2: Ladies, our time is now, you know, this is a, a critical time in history when women are finally having a voice, both as providers, um, and also as uh, consumers. And it's time to be able to boldly go where no woman has gone before, <laughs> right? And, and speak out loud, you know, say what you need, advocate for yourself, because now is uh, a new time in history when your words are now going to be finally listened to and honored and respected. And also take care of yourself, know yourself, you know, take the time to take very good care of yourself because you are your own best friend and advocate here, you know, and to your point, Jared, I applaud that. And that is the human body is just a piece of the genius of nature and it is complex and holistic and integrative. Get to know it. It's time for You 101.
1: Absolutely, couldn't agree more. Dr. Peak. thank you so much for joining me on Vitality Radio.
2: Uh, This has just been an absolute
1: pleasure. Thank you. It's been great to have you. For those of you listening, uh, I hope that this has provided you with uh, a lot of great information that you need know that there's no way you squeeze all this stuff into a one-hour episode of a podcast. There is a lot of research that you can do. I hope that you feel more empowered to do that, to dig in and know yourself better. And if we can help you at Vitality Nutrition, we would love to do that. You can call us at 801-292-6662. You can pay us a visit in Bountiful at 107 South 500 West, or feel free to jump on our website, vitalitynutrition.com. We have a chat feature there. You can ask questions. You can also browse around and see what we have to offer. We would love to help you advance your health and uh, feel your best level of vitality. That's why I do this show. I'm Jared St. Clair and this has been Vitality Radio.
0: You've been listening to the Vitality Radio Podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag #VitalityRadioPodcast. podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot or an airdrop. Thank you.